I'm Damian Bulwa. And I'm Joe Garofoli. Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. Joe, a resounding election in San Francisco. It was resounding, and it's going to be resounding nationwide, but not for the reasons you may think. All right. On Tuesday, city voters in San Francisco overwhelmingly supported the recall of three school board members. They are Allison Collins, Fauga Maliga, and board president Gabriela Lopez. It was the first recall in San Francisco in 40 years, and it reflected an array of tensions, primarily the feeling that this board was not focused on helping students through the pandemic. Also Tuesday, voters on the eastern side of San Francisco weighed in on the four-person District 17 state assembly election. City Supervisor Matt Haney was leading in early returns. Joining us today will be Jill Tucker, the Chronicle's education reporter who has covered the recall from its earliest days. Hello, Jill. Hi, Joe. All right. Well, thanks for staying, Jill. Thanks for staying late. Jill, tell us what happened in this school board recall election. Yeah, so the the first results came in at 8.45, and it was immediately apparent that it was a landslide vote to recall the three board members. More than 70% of voters voted yes, and all three will be removed from office and replaced with appointees uh, that Mayor London Breed picks. And Jill, what happens next? The votes are still coming in and they're still being counted, but the results are overwhelming. And what will happen from here in the next several days, they will finish counting and certify the results. And then it will go to the Board of Supervisors who will accept the results. That's expected on March 1st. And then 10 days after that, the three recalled board members are out of office. Joe, you mentioned that people were watching this election even outside San Francisco. Why? Oh, because I think it's especially in conservative media, they're trying to draw this into sort of an uh, as part of a national trend against uh, of, of uprisings against uh, uh, school board members. And, you know, it, part of it kind of fits into the dynamic, but part of it is a very San Francisco thing that that Jill has been reporting on and can and, and talk to us more about. But this was not just focused on, I should say, it was focused primarily on, you know, some of the uh, restrictions that the school board has set up. They didn't open as soon as other districts did after COVID. And uh, but it was also there are other factors here. It was the the school board uh, was also got a lot of heat for trying to rename 44 school sites that uh, uh, that were named after people they found uh, objectionable. Everyone from uh, Abraham Lincoln to Dianne Feinstein. Uh, It was also because of uh, they wanted to remove uh, merit based admissions at Lowell High School, one of the the top high schools in San Francisco. So there's some of these things. Uh, you can say that the COVID part may be uh, a national part, but these other things are very San Francisco, right, Jill? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, this as much as the opponents wanted to paint this as a Republican recall or a billionaire takeover, it really was a grassroots effort. A lot of the Asian-American community in San Francisco was angry about much of what the board was doing. And so it really was an uprising. It's it's these results showing almost 80 percent for the recall of Allison Collins. You know, this really is the voice of San Francisco, even though the, this is a low turnout election. It's pretty much a sound statement that they want new board members. 
And Joe, there's also like another political dynamic to watch out for. Mayor Breed, who supported this recall, along with uh, Scott Weiner, another uh, state senator, Scott Weiner, a, a, another top Democrat in the city, she has to appoint folks who can withstand a different type of electorate in November, because they're going to be facing the voters again in November. And that's going to be a statewide race that's going to be a full-on California electorate, a uh, full slate of, uh, of of things on the ballot, and a, definitely a more progressive uh, electorate. Then, uh, what 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 is she going to face when she when she has to uh, to make those appointments? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of speculation of of what she's going to do, who she's going to appoint, and and what that will mean for the district, which has to select a new superintendent in the coming months, and what it will mean for a district that's in a fiscal crisis. But yeah, these these new board members, uh, they'll run as incumbents, so that gives them an yeah. edge. But we're already hearing rumblings that it's possible that Gabriela Lopez and Allison Collins could run again. And so that would be interesting to see if a a November election with the larger turnout that you're talking about would shift this. Jill, I want to ask you about the the Lowell decision. They they got rid at that high school of merit-based admissions. People are very split on that. Could a new board reverse that decision and go back to merit-based admissions at Lowell? You know, it's definitely possible. Uh, there's These three are still a minority on a seven-member board. And so it would really take a very different appointee to shift the balance in that decision. Really, the the vote was unanimous uh, when it passed. And so I'm not sure that we would see it change, but it, it definitely could. I want to ask you both about the geographical vote. We already started to see it come in. Some extremely strong votes for recall in places like the West Side and the Marina, not as strong in places perhaps like the mission. What are we seeing in those geographical results? Well, that's uh, that's the predominantly Asian American uh, West Side of uh, San Francisco. There are I, you rarely see ninety percent uh, support for anything. You know, it, 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 even like I like ice cream. No, in America, nobody. There's you never see ninety ninety five percent for anything. But you are seeing that in this race in those predominantly Asian American precincts. Jill, talk about that. I mean, what what results did you see across the city? Did we see a landslide across San Francisco? You know, not necessarily. We're we're seeing uh, differences depending on neighborhoods. So, for example, in the mission for Gabriela Lopez and Fauga Malika, there was definitely more support for them voting no on the recall. But again, it was still really close. It was still hovering around 50%. So, but definitely on the West side, we are seeing very, very strong support for the recall above 80% or more. And, you know, which is, is really, even in a city like San Francisco is unheard of. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the lead was so dramatic that I just to let people in behind the scenes at the Chronicle newsroom, when we got the first results, it was about 845. The polls had closed at eight. They were so dramatic that we immediately called the race. Our editors called the race. Hey, guys, I want to take a quick break. We're going to talk about whether this impacts the potential recall of Chase Boudin, the district attorney in San Francisco. 
We're also going to talk about the assembly race right after this on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bullwood, joined by Joe Garofoli and Jill Tucker. Joe, let's talk about that Boudin recall. With such an overwhelming result in favor of a recall here, does Chase Boudin have something to worry about? Uh, not because of this. Uh, all recalls are not created equal. Uh, you know, let's take a look. Number one, there's been so many school recalls nationwide. There's three times as many uh, as there were in the last couple of years than there were pre-pandemic. So many of the issues driving the school recall were based on COVID-related stuff. The things driving the uh, Boudin recall are related to crime. Uh, what he should be concerned about is a new uh, survey that came out uh, just uh, uh, in the last couple of days this week that said that 65% of Californians are concerned about uh, crime in their neighborhood. Uh, that is an alarming figure, and not only for him, but for Attorney General Rob Bonta, who's also going to be on the ballot this year. But the same factors that affected the recall are not affecting Boudin. Uh, I talked to someone who was... Um, who is an expert on the on the Chinese American electorate? He said that you know that electorate, while they are concerned about things like anti Asian American hate, while they're concerned about uh, uh, effects of crime against seniors, they're right now they're not focused on the recall of Chase Boudin. Uh, so that you know you're not going to ba- basically take everybody who's got their pitchforks out tonight and walk them down to the Hall of Justice, and they're not going to be wanting to to boot to chase a Boudin out of office. What about you, Jill? I mean, you've been out on the campaign trail talking to voters. How much similarities are there in the two pro recall campaigns? You know, I think Joe's right. I I think that they're very different groups of people with different objectives. I think that. The, the similarity is in the money that is pouring in to the Chase recall, which is similar to the vast amount of money that that went into the school board recall. Nearly two million dollars was raised by the pro recall. And many of those same donors are donating to the Chase recall as well. So so in money, uh, these are very similar in voters, not so sure. And uh, another big difference is that uh, unlike the school board recall, which had that raised maybe what hundred thousand dollars, Jill, uh, the the folks who were being recalled maybe raised a hundred grand compared to all that Less money. Less than, ra- yeah, 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 raised raised against them. Uh, Chase Boudin is going to be uh, amply uh, funded in his recall effort, and plus, you know, that's going to break down a, a different way. Uh, Mayor Breed has not come out uh, and, and said which way she's going on the uh, Boudin recall. Neither has Scott Weiner. Uh, we'll see how that how that breaks down as well. Let's go over to the assembly race. As of this recording, the Chronicle had not called that assembly race, Joe, but it was really leaning in one direction. It was leading in the direction that that uh, most of us thought it was going to go. Uh, right now, as we speak, we have to say as we speak, uh, former Supervisor David Campos and current San Francisco Supervisor Matt Haney are ahead. Uh, If that holds, they would face off again in another special election on April 19th. The winner of that will have to run yet again 
for the seat in the June 7th uh, statewide primary election. And then again in November, if they are in the top two there. So four times in one year, this is insane. We, you know, I was talking to, uh, been talking to consultants the last couple of days and, and people were in the community and they are concerned legitimately about election exhaustion in San Francisco. Uh, this is a, a lot of times we're asking voters to go to the polls here and uh, you're, you get a, uh, you know, your electorate in a lot of these special elections is uh, generally older and more conservative. So, you know, that has an effect on things. So, Joe, Haney and Campos, pretty familiar names in San Francisco. What, what do you see happening there? How are people going to decide? This looks like it's going to be a race that turns on uh, housing, housing and housing. The challenge here is David Campos has a very strong progressive base in, in San Francisco, but the, he is going to be, I could, I could write the first ad of the, of the Haney campaign right now. They're going to say uh, a few years ago when David Campos was on the board of supervisors, he proposed a temporary moratorium on housing that was not 100% affordable in the mission when he represented that district. That may have uh, you know, sounded decent then, even though it was rejected. But it sounds out of tune right now with the way a lot of San Franciscans are thinking about housing. And uh, and also, just look at the, the map that we have up on sfchronicle.com. By the way, huge shout out to our data team and our developers. Bilal Mahmood, the person who finished, will likely finish third in this race, he came out of nowhere and he got, uh, he might get 20% or more of the vote. Uh, one of the reasons was he had a very strong plan about housing. And people are frustrated with uh, the lack of progress on, on housing in San Francisco. Uh, and he won, you know, 20, 25% in a lot of these districts. Many of those votes will go to Matt Haney. Uh, and so uh, Campos has his work cut out for him. So just as an aside to that, uh, I will note that outside of Haney's and Campos's election night parties were homeless tents tonight. So it, it was a bit of irony and a, a bit of maybe foreshadowing of, of where this race is going. But as we know, guys, as well, a lot can change in San Francisco. A lot can change with the pandemic in the next few months. Oh, yes, absolutely. The Three or, three or four months is a, is a lifetime in politics these days. All right. Thank you both. Thanks for staying up late. Jill Tucker, She's an education reporter at The Chronicle. Joe Garofoli is a senior political writer and host of It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Joe Garofoli and Jill Tucker of The Chronicle, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Jill, how are you? I'm a little tired, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's an honest appraisal.